let every nation know whether it wishes us well or ill that we shall pay any price bear any burden meet any hardship support any friend oppose any foe to assure the survival and the success of liberty It's Friday, May 24th, 2019, and guys, it is another edition of the FritzCast. It's another year in which uh, every every Memorial Day pops up. It's close to my birthday. Uh, so Memorial Day weekend, you know, some people always say, that's ah, really cool that uh, your birthday uh, could be at the holiday uh, because, you know, cookouts and barbecues and such. And, you know, I mean, it is. It is kind of cool, except that I'm the type, I'm that person that has said, you know, hey, Memorial Day has a very specific reason, you know, and that's not to, that's not to disparage the whole, you know, Memorial Day weekend tradition that we, uh, we've indulged in as Americans, uh, throughout the years. You know, it is a great time to, to do the barbecuing, to live the outdoor life, to go to the beach, uh, not really to go to the beach, uh, <laughs> You know, yesterday, Thursday, I, I was going to go to the... Me and my wife planned on going to the beach. Uh, because here in Delaware, like, you can go to Rehoboth Beach uh, the day before the Friday of Memorial Day weekend. Uh, is the last day that, like, free parking and all that jazz is available. And then, like, now now parking is, like, $3 an hour at, at the... Uh, at the parking meters at Rehoboth Beach, which, I mean, that's kind of ridiculous, $3 an hour. Um, not to say that they haven't made things easier, like, you know, park mobile apps or whatever. You can just pull up your phone while you're on the beach, add time to your meter if you need to or whatever. Those are cool little things, except for the whole fact that it's $3 an hour for metered parking at uh, Rehoboth Beach. It's a little ridiculous, a little crazy, if you know what I mean. We were going to go Thursday, uh, but yesterday turned out to be off and on just poop. I hate when days turn to poop, but, you know, we didn't really, like, plan it out either. We were like, yeah, we'll just we'll wake up in the morning, we'll go to the beach. Yeah, you know what? didn't happen. <laughs> just didn't happen. Uh, and at one point, we uh, 
we were driving to the Christiana Mall, which uh, that's adjacent to 95 and Route 1. Uh, and Route 1, if you're in northern Delaware, Route 1 south is the primary route that you can take down to the beaches uh, in Delaware, which is which is about the only thing that's here, is the beaches down south. The Christiana Mall, the beaches, that's, that's it in Delaware. Other than that, you're going to go to Philly, you're going to go to Jersey, uh, you might even go into Maryland for anything else that you might want to do. Uh, it's not in Delaware. Um, that, that's that's what you would do. We were driving uh, at Christiana Mall, and you can start noticing the backups. It was like 2 o'clock in the afternoon. 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock, around that time. And the backup was already starting. Like, we we knew if we were going to go to the beach, it was going to be Thursday or bust. We're not going, we're, we're not going to the beach now. No way. No way. Who would go to the beach on Memorial Day weekend? Everybody freaking goes to the beach. And I mean everybody. You're going to fight hours of traffic, monstrous headaches. Why would you go to the beach? You can go to the beach the day before, or you can go to the beach immediately following Memorial Day weekend. But you can't go Memorial Day weekend. Everybody's gone. Everybody's there. And it's ridiculous. Why would you... You wouldn't even want to. Route 1 was evident. I mean, that was just... That was the very... That, that, that's closer to the start of Route 1. Also, it's not just a random section of Route 1. It's everybody up north going, oh, It's time to go to the beach. Let's go to the beach. Everybody go down to the beach. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. So we were going to go yesterday, but like I said, it was cl- it ended up being cloudy all day. Uh, we had a couple of thunderstorms roll through and all that, and so it would have been a, been a uh, you know, for lack of a better term, would have been a crappy day down to the beach. But there's nothing wrong with going to the beach or doing the cookouts, you know, the, 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 the typical Memorial Day stuff. But to me, it seems like way too many people just don't even focus on the fact that Memorial Day was established uh, to remember the, the soldiers that have fallen in battle to remember those that you know paid the ultimate sacrifice to the nation and then the thing about memorial day is that it encompasses all iterations and all generations of people who have done that it's not just you know recognizing one war it's not just recognizing one group of soldiers but throughout the ages including the ones that laid their lives down in the very revolution, in the very revolutionary war that helped birth this nation. Um, you know, so, I mean, I, I guess amongst libertarians and stuff, it probably be, can become a touchy subject, uh, but not not really that touchy of a subject. Uh, I, I have so much respect for the men and women who enter the armed forces of the United States. To the degree that I actually care whether or not we're sending them off to foreign wars to, you know, die for, uh, I don't even know at this point what, what some of those, what, what, what we're sending people to die for. Uh, I think I think Memorial Day is, is a good time to reflect on, on those subjects, and that's going to pop up a little bit later too, talking about uh, some events going on surrounding Iran. But that'll be a little bit later in the program. The other thing that happens around Memorial Day, um, not to not to lighten the subject, I, I deepest respect 
every Memorial Day, and I think you can find that going back and listening to my previous podcast episodes. I always try to find something to play. Today it was JFK's uh, The Defense of Liberty, little snippet. Uh, I think last year or two years ago it was Dwight D. Eisenhower recalling D-Day. I always try to find something. I almost thought about playing John Wayne's History of Taps today, but but I held off. It'll probably pop up down the line sometime, I'm sure. Um, but all, but also around Memorial Day, I mean, it's May 24th. May 25th is my birthday. And uh, not to try to make big deals out of things, but this birthday is like my, I think it's my 30th birthday or something. I'm not... Not 100% sure on that, but, you, you know, I mean, is this the point in the, in your adult life where you start, like, questioning things or things just don't matter anymore? Because <laughs> I'm sitting here like, once upon a time, this, this seemed like a huge deal to me. It seemed like, you know, oh, my God, you're really freaking old, dude. Uh, and now I've got, I'm at this juncture in my life where half the people I know think I'm old. The other half of people want to slap me for thinking that I think I'm old. So I I guess I'm somewhere in between there. I guess I'm somewhere like I guess this is middle age. I I guess I don't know. I don't know anymore. And and it's funny too, you know, because because of things on on your cell phone like like Facebook memories and uh time hop, you know, stupid little apps like that that can dive into your past and show you, you know, hey, this is what you did on this day this many years ago. Uh, it's really funny to look back at, like, 17-year-old me turning 18, you know? Or or 20-year-old me turning 21. Uh, very, it, it's really funny just because growing up in, in the digital, in the digital age where social media at that time was sp- Sparking, you know, that that was the hottest shit on the face of the planet. Having a Facebook, having a having a MySpace, having uh, all this crap, and now you can you can just look back on it and be completely embarrassed by yourself <laughs> over and over and over again. It's literally like looking at posts from me from when I was seventeen, going, "Hey man, I'm turning eighteen. I'm an adult. Don't everybody feel old?" Ha ha ha. I'm an adult now. I'm not a kid no more. Huh. And the only thing you can think to yourself is, wow, what a stupid nerdy kid. <laughs> what a stupid nerdy kid I was. And this happens every year, too, by the way. I look back at like the previous couple of years and I'm like, wow, what a nerdy little kid. When When is he ever going to grow up? And every year it turns out the answer is never. Never. He's never going to grow up. It's just not going to happen. It's not in the cards. Not in the cards for me. Uh, but, you know, 30 this year, the, the big year that happened this, this past year, and I've probably talked your ear off a little too much about it, but, you know, I mean, you never know. New people could be listening. This could be new information, and that's why I don't stick on it too long. But, you know, within the past year, I mean, I, like, I've gotten a promotion. I figured out I'm becoming a father. You know, just just big things happening to the degree that, like, I know this isn't the peak. I know, I know, we were far from the peak, but it's helped me like humble myself a little bit, be very thankful for things, 
you know, and then just different perspective, different different outlook. You know, it's like being an expectant father. I know life is going to change forever when when baby Emery is no longer. Um, how do I put contained in my wife's stomach, womb, whatever? I know life's going to change when the kid is birthed. You know, I mean. I mean, life's changed already. We just cleaned out the nursery the other day. It's it's we still need to do some some hardcore touching up and cleaning in there. But I mean, there's a room cleaned out in my house that is going to be occupied by a child one day. That's pretty nuts to think about. And a lot of that, a lot of that stuff has overshadowed the whole. You know, you're turning thirty. I used to be freaked out about turning thirty, but. I guess it's because uh, I'm doing some things to to better my life, to feel like a better person, to to expand my mind, to uh, you know enjoy life a little more than than I maybe have been, you know. Aside from not going to the beach on Thursday because of the goddamn weather, <laughs> but thankfully, I mean, like today is beautiful. Looking outside, there's big bright blue sky out there. Looks beautiful. I'll probably go outside later today and just enjoy being outside for a little bit. Uh, probably gonna probably don't tell my wife this, but probably gonna like try to hit up some baseball games like here at the Wilmington Blue Rocks, among other things. But uh, you you know, so I turned thirty. Big deal. <laughs> big big deal. Who cares? That always pops up Memorial Day weekend too, and I hope I, I I hope that doesn't make me a selfish person, but that that kind of means that this weekend's about me. But you know, I digress. Where did I start with this Memorial Day? Very important to sit back and really recognize and cherish the fact that people throughout the ages of this country have fought and died. Of their own accord, of their own will, for the principles of freedom. And that might, we might lose sight of that. We oftentimes do, our politicians definitely do, our politicians don't mind signing the dotted line to send people off to war. You know, that recognizing and appreciating Memorial Day and appreciating a soldier's sacrifice, that doesn't mean that you have to you know, per se, support the fact that this nation decided to go to war in places like Afghanistan and Iraq and and Syria and maybe Iran. More on that later, you know. You don't have to support those things. In fact, I would argue that you are more dedicated to our troops than some of our very politicians are if you feel as though our troops should not be sent to places to fight and die for things that are not about our securing liberty and freedom. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that encompasses into the debate. But before I go into anything like Iran or anything like that, uh, the big topic amongst libertarians and some conservatives and GOPers alike were comments from Justin Amash over the past uh, couple of days. Justin Amash is uh, 
is a representative out of Michigan uh, who was a member of the House Freedom Caucus. I I say was. I think he's uh, think he's about to get nixed out of the House Freedom Caucus. Not that that matters because the House Freedom Caucus is kind of a joke anymore. But that's beside the point. Justin Amash came out and kind of broke far, far from GOP mainstream talking points. And uh, Justin Amash is no stranger to this, though. He's no stranger to standing up for something that, you know, for calling shots like he sees them and telling it like it is. He's no stranger to that. He's no stranger to being an outcast. And so I'm about to read a series of tweets from him that heavily made him an outcast this week. Now, mind you, Amash has had several tweets uh, following this breaking one that was from May 18th and not, and, and so on, but here it goes. Quote, Here are my principal conclusions. One, Attorney General Barr has deliberately misrepresented Mueller's report. Number two, President Trump has engaged in impeachable conduct. Number three, partisanship has eroded our system of checks and balances. Number four, few members of Congress have read the report. I offer these conclusions only after having read Mueller's redacted report carefully and completely, having read or watched pertinent statements and testimony, and having discussed this matter with my staff, who thoroughly reviewed materials and provided me with further analysis. In comparing Barr's principal conclusions, congressional testimony, and other statements to Mueller's report, it is clear that Barr intended to mislead the public about special counsel Robert Mueller's analysis and findings. Barr's misrepresentations are significant but often subtle, frequently taking the form of sleight-of-hand qualifications or logical fallacies, which he hopes people will not notice. Under our Constitution, the president, quote, shall be removed from office on impeachment for and conviction of treason, bribery, or other high crimes and misdemeanors, end quote. While the high crimes and misdemeanors is not defined, the context implies conduct that violates the public trust. Contrary to Barr's portrayal, Mueller's report reveals that President Trump engaged in specific actions and a pattern of behavior that meet the threshold for impeachment. In fact, Mueller's report identifies multiple examples of conduct satisfying all the elements of obstruction of justice, and undoubtedly any person who is not the President of the United States would be indicted based on such evidence. Impeachment, which is a special form of indictment, does not even require probable cause that a crime, e.g. obstruction of justice, has been committed. It simply requires to find it simply requires a finding that an official has engaged in careless, abusive, corrupt, or otherwise dishonorable conduct. Not that hard for Trump. While impeachment should be undertaken only in extraordinary circumstances, the risk we face in an environment of extreme partisanship is not that Congress will employ it as a remedy too often, but rather that Congress will employ it so rarely that it cannot deter misconduct. Our system of checks and balances relies on each branch's jealousy, guarding its powers, and upholding its duties under our Constitution. 
when loyalty to a political party or to an individual trumps loyalty to the Constitution, the rule of law, the foundation of liberty crumbles. We've witnessed members of Congress from both parties shift their views 180 degrees on the importance of character, on the principles of obstruction of justice, depending on whether they're discussing Bill Clinton or Donald Trump. Few members of Congress even read Mueller's report. Their minds were made up based on partisan affiliation, and it showed with representatives and senators from both parties issuing definitive statements on the 448-page report's conclusions within just hours of its release. America's institutions depend on officials to uphold both the rules and the spirit of our constitutional system, even when to do so is personally inconvenient or yields a politically unfavorable outcome. Our Constitution is brilliant and awesome. It deserves a government to match it. End quote. End tweet. End whatever you want to call it. That was Justin Amash's statement that blew up, that made uh, Donald Trump come out and go, I never really liked him anyway. He's really, he's really kind of a loser. Probably get primaried. Probably, probably get primaried. Probably, probably lose his seat because he's a loser. All right. Nobody likes a loser like Justin Amash. I was exonerated by Mueller's investigation. He was not exonerated, by the way. Oh, I, I totally exonerated. Not exonerated. Sir, I think that's the big problem. You know, it's a 448-page report. You know how many Americans are going to bother reading any of it? Like, a handful of people will actually read all 448 pages of the report and actually interpret it, by the way. Because just reading the report doesn't mean jack. You can just read a book. Doesn't mean that you took anything away from it. Doesn't mean that you got anything out of it. Doesn't mean that you comprehended Everything within it. I haven't had a chance to read the 448 report. I have a PDF file of it right here on my desktop. But I haven't read it yet. Because life gets in the way. You get busy. Other things come up. And then you really wonder, did you want the daunting task of reading a 448-page bureaucratic report from the government? Alright, the Declaration of Independence was a fucking page. And the investigation on this is 448 pages. Okay, and the declaration wasn't one page. I, I, I digress. It's on one sheet of paper. It's a pretty damn big sheet of paper. It's a pretty, pretty, pretty large piece of paper. It's huge. Um, it's a big report, though. And people still haven't even read the intelligence reports on how Russia you know, interfered in our election. Uh, which, which, that's an old report. That's old news from back in, like, 2017. But Justin Amash has very good credibility when it comes to constitutional awareness. Um, Justin Amash is probably one of the most thorough representatives in the House today. Because Justin Amash will literally, on his Twitter, on his website, and through various other platforms, discuss at length what bills they're voting on 
what they contain, what their impact is, and what their constitutionality is. And he'll explain why. Okay, a.k.a. if you're somebody who just wants to pass legislation because it feels good, or it seems right, you probably don't like him because he'll pick out technicalities in which it doesn't fit or work. And vice versa, if you're a constitutionalist who wants things done by the letter, you probably like the guy because uh, he explains it out and, and shows you how it fits. Now, President Trump giving the guy flack, I mean, that's nothing new. Uh, President Trump turns on his friends. Like, remember, President Trump can only hire the best people, and he hired Rex Tillerson, and then he fired him and called him a loser. You know, I mean, you know, that's just it's childish. It is childish. I think there's merit to what Justin Amash has to say on it, uh, because Justin Amash is somebody who has earned my trust as a man in his position. And it's sad because the the standard conservative radio talking points and all that would just be jump on the guy's throat and call him a bastard and a traitor, call him names, uh, and say that uh, he's getting paid off by the Democrats or something along those lines. That's very That's the sad world that we live in because you have to be on the Trump train or you're a whiny liberal. That's how the GOP and conservative politics work right now, Trump could come out and say, I want universal health care. I'm, I'm messing up the voices now. <laughs> you don't understand. I want universal health care for everybody. It's going to be huge. Everybody gets it. It's great. I'm mixing up my politicians there because Trump probably could come out and say something like that, despite the fact that... Uh, it's actually, it's it's from it's from a book that I wrote. I wrote a book. So what? I wrote a book, uh, and yeah, I made a couple million dollars off of off of a book. I think that's I think that's fine, that I could write a book, and it can generate millions of dollars, and and thus I become a millionaire, which is why I only really talk about the billionaires now, because. I mean, if you want to become a millionaire, I mean, write a best-selling book. What what can I tell you? Could be from that vein of a politician. But, but I mean, honestly, I mean, just let me play this little clip from Rick Wilson on um, Lawrence O'Donnell about this real quick. Contributor and Rick Wilson, uh, here we have the Republican David and Goliath. And uh, mm-hmm. I thought we're all supposed to root for David in that story, right? Well, you know, this is the this is the new Republican um, mode. And it's always going to be that anyone who opposes Trump must be destroyed. That's why the caucus is going after him. That's why the NRCC is flirting with this new guy in the primary. You know, it, it reminds me that in 1973, when the impeachment articles were brought to the Judiciary Committee, Republicans voted with the majority on three of the charges, obstruction of justice, abuse of power, and contempt of Congress. 
And as, as Justin laid out in those tweets and as we've seen from the evidence, those three cases could be made, but I promise you not one member except for him right now will vote for them, no matter whether or not they believe them to be true or not, or whether the, the, the evidence is overwhelming or not, they will protect Donald Trump till the last dog dies. And it's it's true. It becomes such a, you know, it be, it, you'll, you will eat your own up because your own has to be a team player. And if your own is not a team player, you crush him. You know, the, 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 among the division that, is, that has come up, Rand Paul was asked to comment about this, and he called it the antithesis of libertarianism, saying, quote, I actually think the libertarian position on the investigation is, you know, libertarians, we've been very, very critical of the intelligence community having too much power, including Congressman Amash, has said, you know, really, you should have to get a warrant before you get an American's records. I mean, end quote, mind you. I mean, Rand Paul and Justin Amash, they have been on the same team before, but Rand Paul talking about this is what we as libertarians, ah, stop, stop it. All right, I was a stand with Rand guy in, in the 2015-2016 election process. I was rooting for Rand Paul. I would have gladly voted for Rand Paul had he become the Republican nominee uh, for the President of the United States. But that just wasn't in the cards. That didn't work out that way. It didn't happen. And now we have this bickering little bitch fest of... Justin Amash comes out and says, yeah, you know what? By definition, by the letter, by the T, by the spirit, you know, Donald Trump probably could be impeached uh, on this stuff uh, because it's it's not trustworthy. It's not good for us. It's not it's not a good thing for us. It doesn't it doesn't look good. It doesn't smell good. It's not good. And because of that, like there's people who have been calling Justin Amash an attention seeker from for this and calling him a lightweight. Well, Justin Amash never struck me as an attention seeker uh, because the attention that he gets isn't the popular kind. Uh, It doesn't put him in more powerful positions. Uh, If anything, it just means that he's a questioner of things. And I think that that's important. I really do think that that's important. And I think, you know... What are the consequences of Justin Amash coming out and saying this? I think he's speaking his conscience. I think he's speaking his mind. I think he's saying that there's there's too much uh, uh, narrow division within our political system. There's tribalism in our political system. It's it's turned into such a divisive team game that you can't even come together and say, "Hey, you know what? Trump did some sketchy shit." Like you're not allowed to say that as a Republican anymore. And as a Democrat, you're not allowed to say, hey, maybe we're a little too crazy on conspiracy theories or anything. You're, you're not allowed to. If you do, you're automatically outcast. You're automatically on the shit list. You're automatically going to be primaried by somebody. And don't expect support from the party because you're not a team player. Now, there's been some speculation, did Justin Amash do this because he's not going to run for re-election where he's at. Maybe he's going to make a split. Maybe he is finally going to go to the Libertarian Party, become the Libertarian presidential nominee, maybe. I mean, if he did, you can count me out for this election. I already know where my vote's going to go. I'm going to go with Justin Amash. (laughs) Hands down, especially if they got somebody like, 
I don't know, Larry Sharp as his VP choice. Should have been Gary Johnson's VP choice for real. And in all honesty, I think Larry Sharp should be running for the Libertarian presidential candidacy right now. And that's something that I'm going to dive into talking about uh, in, in, in an upcoming episode. Because uh, I don't want to drag this out too much longer. It is my birthday weekend, after all. Um, but I, I don't care. I don't believe that Justin Amash has other ulterior motives with it. I really don't. I don't because there's no benefit to it. Why come out? It's not like he's going to become a darling of the left. It's not like the left really going to love him for it because Justin Amash is also saying, well, yeah, but by the Constitution, we shouldn't be pushing this, 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 or this program-wise for for us. It shouldn't be a, a function of the government. So there's that aspect to take into consideration. Rand Paul? Why is Rand Paul going after Justin Amash? It's because Rand Paul is wishy-washy. You know, you gotta... I, I like Rand Paul. There's many times where I agree with Rand Paul, but you shouldn't agree with somebody 100% of the time. You really shouldn't. And Rand Paul is wishy-washy when it comes to this whole libertarian thing. He can't sit there and speak as a authority of libertarianism just because his daddy Ron started this whole revolution thing. He's not his father. He's not his father. He's not the most libertarian guy. I would have still gladly voted for him for president. But that doesn't mean that he's a good authority on what libertarianism is. All right, Rand Paul said this about libertarianism. I pretty much have always supported Republican candidates. I haven't gone out and supported libertarian candidates. My, my dad did some, but I, I haven't so much. And uh, I think that uh, there needs to be, and I want the Republican Party to have a libertarian influence in it. Um, but people have different ideas exactly what they mean to be libertarian. I always say I'm libertarian-ish, you know, and that, because uh, that still can mean we might, you know, there's whatever pure libertarianism, there's some arbiter of that, but I'm, I'm probably not that. Um, but I think a libertarian twist or a libertarian influence on in the Republican Party is good. But I pretty much just uh, stayed with the party and uh, plan on doing so. Okay, that was from a Q&A session at Harvard's Kennedy School of Government from Rand Paul that was posted by CNN uh, on April 25th, 2014. So if anybody needs like any clue... Uh, Rand Paul says he pretty much is a party guy. He pretty much is a, a Republican supporter and intended to stay that way. And now it's just a little more extreme. The The, the rules of the Republican Party are are be all on board or, or get out. And maybe that's where, Ron, where, where Rand Paul is now. Maybe he's just, you have to be all on board or you're not. kind of a negative hit against Rand Paul in my book. Just saying it. That brings us to Iran. There's a, there's a whole cluster of things about Iran right now. Um, using proxies in the Middle East. Uh, there's a, the, the, the Iran arms deal control report, which the U.S. Department misses just missed the deadline for that. Uh, Russia slamming us over warmongering in Iran. Iran's Supreme Leader 
is 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 going out and about and saying a lot of things. Oil prices have plunged uh, 5.7% to 57.91 U.S. dollars per bar- per barrel as U.S.-China trade war raises fuel demand worries, um, among other things. Among other things going on, um, and also from from the independent Iran arrests entire yoga class and its instructor for inappropriate outfits. Um, you know, now they're talking about possibly sending troops to Iran, and the, the the question begs, you know, why? For what purpose are we looking at Iran? What's going on that is making us so involved in Iran? It kind of brings us back to the beginning topic of. Is there a good situation for calling for U.S. troops in Iran and U.S. intervention in Iran? It's a big, hot topic right now going on, and it's going to become a focal point of the 2020 elections, barring anything happening, which should concern some people. I, you know, I was talking about... First, I want to play this by uh, Mike Pompeo, okay? Let's listen to this real quick. Uh, that will make up for any disruptions that that we see from Iran. In in recent days, have you seen them pull back on some of the uh, more bellicose moves they made, whether it's the the bomb near the embassy or the... And we don't know it's them, for sure, with the ships, Uh, but it certainly looks like them. This threat threat from Iran uh, remains. Uh, We've had some luck in disrupting some of the tactical things that were in front of us, I think it's fair to say, Uh, but make sure we're still on high alert. Um, We're still making sure we have the right resources in play. Your point... Uh, I, I remember when we began the maximum pressure campaign, uh, there was talk probably on this show of oil going to 150. Uh, your, your listeners should all know that when May 2nd came, we withdrew from the JCPOA. Oil is now well below that. I think I saw Brent crude at 69-something when I walked in here this morning. Uh, it's below where it was when we designated the IRGC a terrorist organization. Uh, we, we are confident that we've done the hard work to make sure that the market is well supplied. And I, I, I hope that we can continue to maintain you, that. I think that we can. You have no problem saying unequivocally that this wasn't hyped by the administration for political purposes. The Democrats are, are sort of sounding that alarm. None. No, no overhype. And we briefed Congress extensively uh, Tuesday of this week. I think almost every member, Democrats and Republicans, like walked out of that room understanding that the threats that we were discussing and the uh, decision that President Trump made to take a posture to deter those threats and to protect our forces were wholly justified and reasonable. That was just Mike Pompeo. So, you know, there, there's a lot going on with Iran. And, honest to God, I think some of this, uh, I'm not going to I'm not gonna pin it entirely. I, you know, I don't think our government's organized enough to pull off mass distractions. To a, to a degree, at least, anyway. Um, I, you know, I don't, I don't think it works out that well for them. Uh, but I put out a series of tweets, uh, over the past couple of days over the abortion things like last week's abortion episode, which, which got, uh, some pretty good feedback and reviews. Check that out if you haven't already. Um, but I was discussing, you know, this theory with a friend the other day and, you know, is the current wave of abortion debate being used as a distraction for strategic moves that are being taken regarding Iran. Uh, the poll that I still have up, you can still vote in it if you want. Um, it's got four days left as of this moment. Uh, 54% say no, 46% say yes. Um, that Not to say that it was generated. My, my poll, if I need to clarify it, I'm not saying the abortion argument was generated. 
uh, for uh, being a distraction of Iran, just is it being used as a distraction? Which part, parts of me feel like it almost does. Um, among that, too, I've had the polls. I've had other polls out. Uh, this poll is still opened up. From last week's episode, when it comes to abortion, are you pro-life? Are you pro-choice? Vote below. Uh, right now, it's a, it's like a deadlock. There's 41% for pro-life, 41% for pro-choice, and 18% for a more complicated answer than just pro-life or pro-choice. Uh, which, you know, th- there was great feedback to that episode. I thought it was a, a well-done episode branching two different conversations together. Uh, so if you haven't listened to that, listen to that and give it a share. Same thing with this uh, with this episode here. Guys, that's going to do it for me for this week. So I thank you for listening. Follow me at FritzQS on Twitter, Facebook.com slash TheFritzCast, and FritzCastPodcast at gmail.com if you need to get in contact with me. Remember, I love you. And remember, I turn 30 tomorrow. Get your birthday wishes in.